This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 87. I want to take a moment right now to thank all of my listeners for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts, and to also remind you to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group, which I'll talk more about at the tail end of this episode. So in this week's episode, I wanted to talk about the possibility of the EOS R5 overheating issues being completely fake. Now, I know what you're thinking as you're listening to this. You're like, is this guy crazy or what? It's all over the Internet that the EOS R5 has overheating issues. Well, not exactly. Everybody is being duped thinking that the R5 has overheating issues, and most people thought it was going to because of the fact that it could shoot 8K video, but it turns out that's not what is actually going on. So this story begins last week when a user on Chinese social media site Beidou broke open their EOS R5 and found that removing an internal battery reset or a button battery or watch battery as some people know them resets the overheating timer allowing them to go right back to shooting video without any recovery time whatsoever now a petapixel reader shared the information but at the time petapixel couldn't confirm it so they didn't run with the story on this until this week um, which it is now on their website so over the past uh, last week, members on DP Review Forums posted the information as well, and then it was also picked up by some famous YouTubers, including Matt Granger and Tony Northrup, who all confirmed using various quote-unquote hacks that the overheating did not actually have anything to do with the heat inside the camera. Some users discovered that if you yank the battery while the camera is still shooting video, it prevents the camera from writing the bogus overheating data to the NVRAM or non-volatile RAM, and thus you can put the battery back in after 10 seconds and continue shooting video with no waiting or cool down time required. Now, a little bit more on the NVRAM if you're not a tech person like I am. The non-volatile RAM is basically RAM that stores the settings information for your camera the date and time um, your configurations as far as iso aperture shutter speed all of that so when you power down your camera and then power it back up the next time all of your settings and the time and date remain intact now the nv ram is maintained by a small button battery somewhere inside the camera just like in a computer whether it's pc or mac they have a button battery as well. That's what they're most commonly known as. The more frequently used ones today or are more like the size of a quarter. They're usually CR 2016s, 2032s, 2020s, 2025s, stuff like that. And they're fairly large batteries. You know, like I said, they're about the size of a quarter in diameter. And they're a three volt, uh, what used to be known as a button battery. They were called that in the old days because most of the batteries were extremely tiny which you may be familiar with if you've seen the battery from like your grandparents hearing aid or something like that back in the day they were an extremely tiny battery and that's why they were referred to as button batteries but anyways uh, 
So that is what is happening. So if you can prevent the camera from writing the bogus heat timer in overheating timer information to the non-volatile RAM, then when you put the camera's main battery back in, the camera doesn't quote unquote know that it reached the overheating timeout period. And so it'll go right back to letting you record another 15, 20 minutes of HK or 4K high quality video and the camera will be none the wiser. Now, I don't recommend doing this. I don't recommend yanking out the battery while it's shooting video because there's risk of corrupting your video. Uh, You can cause damage to the camera, your memory card. There's just a lot of things that can go wrong. And if you do stuff like that, you're going to void the warranty on your camera anyways. So it looks as though the overheating issue is completely based on a recording timer that is baked into the firmware and has nothing to do with any kind of temperature sensor or actual heat levels inside the camera. Now, why would Canon implement a lame timer that cripples the camera after a certain number of minutes of 8K or 4K HQ video shooting, you might ask? Is this because Canon knows something about the camera that the general public doesn't know? Well, of course they do. It's their camera. They researched and developed it. They manufacture it. Did they fail to implement an actual heat sensor to keep down the cost of the camera? And they are using the timer and the firmware to hopefully prevent the camera from actually overheating. Well, no, that's not the case. As numerous people have pointed out, including Tony Northrup in his video, which I'm going to share both his video on the fake overheating as well as Matt Granger's in the show notes for this week's episode as tony points out in his video the camera does actually have an internal thermometer that allows it to monitor the heat now the interesting thing is the chinese user that posted his solution the breakdown and all that of his eos r5 on that baidu website um, he noticed and he documented this that when he checked the thermal temperature the heat temperatures inside the camera while he was shooting video, after he, reshu- if, after he reached the shooting video timer length, and so on and so forth, the camera's temperature internally never changed. It always stayed at approximately 47 degrees Celsius. So now we know for certain that it's definitely not an overheating issue. It's a completely fabricated issue that Canon did on purpose to minimize how much you can use the camera for 8K or 4K high quality video. Now, you may be asking yourself, why would they do this? I mean, uh, you know, why would they do something like this to harm their own camera? You know, it's going to piss off the consumers. People are going to be really upset about this. And there's going to be all kinds of social media uproar about it, which there has been. You know, there's been all kinds of things going on. But... With the, ca- with the cameras overheating being completely fake, what this basically means is Canon wanted to come up with some way to not destroy other product lines. Canon's the number one camera company in the world. And they're, they've been the number one camera company in the world for like a century. Um, the only people they have to compete against is themselves. So... And Tony mentions this in his video, and I and I concur with him 100% because I kept going over stuff like this in my head even after the R before the R5 came out. So, if the overheating issue is completely fake, will they release a firmware update that will allow you to get more recording time out of the camera? Now, I don't know if they're going to do that or not. And let me explain the reason why I say this. And Tony agrees with me 100%. He and I 
both tech guys by background, um, we, we usually think along the same lines. Now, the reason why we both believe that Canon implemented this bogus timer, this bogus overheating time limit in the firmware, and they don't mention this in any of their marketing material. It's not mentioned on their website. It's not mentioned on the product page for the camera itself. The only place you find any information about time limits when recording video is in the back of the owner's manual, which was not made public before the camera went on sale. So people had no way to know about it. Now, the reason why Tony and I believe that camera, that Canon did this is they didn't want to take away from their cinema camera line. Now, think about it. Canon makes the best, some of the best cinema cameras in the world. You've got the C300 line. You've got the C500 line. These cameras are super expensive cameras. The C300 is like an $11,000 camera. I think the C500 is uh, $15,000 or $20,000. These are high-quality cinema cameras that are used by many studios, many production companies for shooting TV shows, movies, you know, commercials, all kinds of stuff like that. And these cameras are extremely expensive. So then Canon decides to release a hybrid camera that shoots video and stills both that can shoot high-quality stills and 8K and 4K high-quality video. And they set the price tag at $3,900 instead of the more realistic $8,000 that a camera of this level would have demanded. Canon knew that consumers would not want to fork out $8,000 for a hybrid, hybrid camera when the 1DX Mark III is only $6,000. And although it cannot shoot 8K video, it is a more durable camera than the EOS R5. Now, don't get me wrong. The R5 is a very durable camera. It's made with a magnesium alloy frame, and it's, you know, all of that good stuff. It's weather sealed and everything else, but it's not built to the same durability specs as their flagship DSLR, the one DX Mark III. Now, Tony Northrup has the same opinion on this, like I said, and he talks about the same subject in one of his most recent videos, which I'm going to share in this episode. And he and Matt Granger are both really upset at the fact that the Canon overheating is completely fake. It's a timer that's baked into the firmware. But as Tony mentions, in a way, it makes a lot of sense because Canon can't afford to cannibalize their cinema EOS camera line. Now, I mean, think about it. Are movie studios and production companies going to go out and drop ten to $20,000 per camera, cinema EOS cameras, if they can get the same high-quality video with an unlimited recording time from the EOS R5, which costs $3,900? I mean, that's a no-brainer. Studios, just like any other business in the world, are in business to make money. And if they can make more money by getting the same quality video from a much less expensive and more compact camera that already takes the same lenses as their cinema cameras, they're going to do that. You know, why would you go out and spend eight, uh, well, why would you go out and spend $10,000 a piece on EOS C300 cinema cameras if for that same $10,000 you can buy three EOS R5s and have three cameras for the price of one and they take all the lenses that you already have? So, I mean, that's a no-brainer, and it does make sense. Now, the thing that confuses me, and, and he didn't talk about it a lot directly, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it confounds Tony as well, is if you were going to do something this silly, if you were going to cripple the camera so that you don't cannibalize your own EOS cinema camera line, then why make a hybrid camera that has 8K video to begin with? 
Your average user doesn't give a rat's butt about 8K video. They're perfectly happy with 1080p or 4K up to 120 frames or uh, 240 frames a second for super slow motion, and they'd be perfectly happy. So why did Canon feel that they needed to come out with an 8K video camera, hybrid camera that shoots stills and video, and then cripple the crap out of it and piss all their consumers off? I just, I don't understand this. And if you remember in... The previous episode where I talked about the EOS R5 overheating issue before we knew that it was completely fake, you remember that I said I was totally baffled that Canon would put a camera on the market that has overheating issues, especially after all the crap that Sony got for doing it with, you know, their first full frame 4K video uh, mirrorless camera that could do video and stills both. You know, Sony got crucified over it. Now, of course, people still buy their cameras because they've got all the issues fleshed out. Their newer cameras have air vents to help cool them, help dissipate the heat, and so on and so forth. But I was baffled as why Canon would put a camera on the market with the same overheating issue that Sony had and was crucified for. But... It turns out they didn't. They just made the camera way too good and then decided to cripple it with bogus timers baked into the firmware that force you to only be able to shoot for anywhere from two minutes to 20 minutes in HK video. And then you have to let the camera sit for upwards of two hours before you can shoot your next two to 20 minute clip of 8K video, which is just really stupid. I mean, why not just release the EOS R5 with 4K full frame up to 240p or 120p and call it a day. That would make a lot more sense and they could have sold the camera at a more competitive price to Sony's because then they could have said, hey, you know, we got this camera that's got dual card slots. It's got 4K full frame video with no cropping, no overheating issues, and it can shoot 20 frames a second. And we're going to price it, you know, $200 more than the Sony model. It would have been flying off the shelves regardless. So why they felt compelled to put 8K video in a hybrid camera when nobody really needs it, nobody wants it. But of course, when they buy it, they're pissed off because it doesn't work. Because, you know, if you're going to buy something top of the line, Even if you're never going to use its highest end features, you're still going to be pissed off if you shell out a lot of money for the item and then the highest end features don't actually freaking work. It was just like I talked about in earlier episodes, you know, when when Sony released their first A7 camera, I don't remember what model it was that could shoot full frame 4K video on a mirrorless body and Tony talked about how he and Chelsea took it on vacation with him to Florida and he was walking along a Florida beach at nine o'clock in the morning and wanted to shoot some 4k video and literally as soon as he turned the camera on it said it was already too hot to shoot 4k video so why why would you I mean why would you do crazy stuff like this and you know of course Tony and everybody else were pissed because Sony touted that they had the first mirrorless camera with full frame uncropped 4K video. And it was like, yeah, it's got 4K video, but only in theory because you can't actually freaking use it because the camera gets super hot as soon as you power it on and then tells you that it's already too hot to shoot video with. So why, you know, why Canon thought they had to go this route? I'm just totally stumped by. I just don't get it. 
They could have just released the R5 and the R6, both with full frame 4K. Say, give the, you know, give the R6, you know, 120p maximum and give the R5 240. Um, you know, give a couple of, put a couple of other bells and whistles in the R5 to make it the more higher end model, like GPS, which they didn't put in either body and confuses the hell out of me. Um, they could have easily done that and they could have sold the camera for less money. They could have sold it for $3,200 or $3,300, been more in line with Sony. And, and, and I mean, the big thing they could have done is they could have made the R5 a direct competitor for the a9 sony's a9 mark ii which in many ways the r5 is a direct competitor for the a9 it can shoot better video it's got just as many or more frames per second than the a9 and according to jared Pullen from frono's photos and others the eye detect autofocus is pretty much as good if not a little bit better than sony's so canon's already passed them in the eye detect autofocus capabilities with their mirrorless cameras and Canon's only been in the and Canon's been in the game for less than two years, just like I predicted from the beginning when the first mirrorless full frame cameras were announced in late 2018 from Canon and Nikon. I told everybody, and if you've listened to this show, you know because I've beaten that to death, that I kept saying it would only take Canon 18 to 24 months to catch up and pass Sony, who had a five year head start, and I was 100 percent right because the R5 and R6 were officially announced in July. That was, what, uh, 19 months after the EOS R and R was announced in late 2018. So I was right within that time frame. So I, you know, I'm just, like I said, I'm still confused as to why they decided to go this crazy route with the R5, throw the 8K video in there, throw the 4K high quality video mode in there, and then cripple it with arbitrary timers that are baked into the firmware. It just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Now, another thing that I did want to talk about while talking about the EOS R5 heating issues this week, and that is the large amount of false information that is circulating on various camera groups, especially on Facebook. And if you have any brain in your head by now, you know most of the crap on Facebook is totally fake. Uh, false information. There's just all kinds of craziness on Facebook. But there's a lot of users on Facebook claiming that the EOS R5 even overheats when shooting stills. This is completely false. This is a complete crack. The camera has no overheating issues when shooting stills. Now, I don't own the R5. I'm not planning to buy an R5. I'm going to get the R6 at Christmas time. But, and I, and I haven't had an R5 or R6 in my hands. I haven't had a chance to play with one yet. Canon hasn't sent me any freebies to try out like they do Jared and some of the big YouTubers. And, and again, I'm not bashing those guys. They work their tails off to build up their audience, their social media following. So it makes sense that they would get free loaner cameras, and I don't. <laughs> but I do follow the faux blogger. Webs, uh, faux blogger website, I should say, faux blogger, the flowblogger.com. And I've been reading articles on that site for quite a while now, and the site is dedicated to only stills photography. No video, strictly stills. And given that the owner of the site has had the EOS R5 since it first came out and has been shooting stills with it for months, and he reports there are absolutely no overheating issues at all during stills use. I believe him. 
I'm going to take his word for it because he has a good reputation. His site is highly reputable. And that's all he does is stills, articles, stories, videos, posts, stuff like that. That's all he talks about. And actually, I don't know if he, he posts any videos at all because he doesn't really do video work. But that's all he does is stills photography. That's what his site is all about. Stills photography only. And he has reported on his site there are no overheating issues with the R5 when you're shooting still photos. Absolutely none. He's used the camera for hours on end, swapped out multiple batteries. He's taken thousands of shots during, you know, various shooting sessions. There's been no overheating issues at all with doing stills photography. So please, people, remember... Take the stuff you read on Facebook with a grain of salt because usually it's all BS anyways. Now, moving forward, Canon will come up with some sort of middle road, hopefully, where they will allow users more time to shoot video or at least remove the bogus two-hour cooldown period and allow users to shoot HK or 8K and 4K high-quality video again after, say, you know, 10 or 15 or 30 minutes instead of a two-hour wait. Now, I can certainly understand Canning not wanting to hurt their own cinema camera line, which I mentioned earlier in this episode, and they cost a hell of a lot more money than the cameras that we buy as video and still photographers, but they need to come up with some way to make their EOS R5 owners happier about their purchase, because right now a lot of people are pissed off about this. And as I said, I can't blame them. If I just dropped $3,900 on this camera, thinking, man, I've got a, you know, I've got the killer setup now. I've got a hybrid camera that can do high quality stills with the 47 megapixel sensor, and it can do 8K video and 4K high quality video. Uh, This is my end all be all. This is my holy grail. And then you find out it doesn't work the way it's supposed to. I would be pissed as well. Uh, But again, this is why I generally don't jump on a new camera body as soon as it releases. I wait until it's been out for a while. I wait for the price to come down a little bit. Like I said, they usually do their first price drop a few, just a few months after they release a new body. Most camera manufacturers do, especially when we're coming up onto the tail end of the year and the holiday shopping season. Uh, As I mentioned in the previous episodes about the R5 and the R6, and you can pretty much take this to the bank, The R5 and R6's prices will be dropping for the holiday shopping season for Christmas. I guarantee you there'll be Black Friday sales where the price will be down a few hundred bucks. And they'll be doing it all probably from Black Friday all the way up and through uh, all the way up through Christmas. So that's when I'm going to buy my R6. I'm going to wait until the first couple of firmware updates are out. The camera's been on the market for a little while and the holiday sales roll around. And that's when I'm going to pull the trigger on buying the R6. Now, as I mentioned in those earlier episodes, I'm not going with the R5 because A, I don't care about 8K video. B, I don't care about 4K high quality video. I do shoot YouTube videos for my Forgotten Pieces of Georgia project, as well as for my Liam Photography YouTube channel. But I tend to always shoot my videos in 1080p because as I've mentioned in earlier episode, previous episodes, and so is Tony Northrup, nobody gives a crap about 4K (laughs) on YouTube. 98% of the videos on YouTube are still shot just HD and nobody cares. Um, so I don't have the need for the R5 and I can't see spending the money, the $3,900 for the R5 when two of its biggest features that give, uh, that, you know, account for that price tag 
are the 8K and the 4K high quality video and they're crippled with retarded timers anyway. So to me, the camera is completely useless for my needs. I'm better suited to the R6, which has dual SD card, UHS-2 slots, can still do the 20 frames per second continuous shooting, still has the same uh, eye detect autofocus, the same animal and body and head detect autofocus and all that good stuff and has the dual pixel autofocus system. I'm going to be better off with that camera. I don't care that it's only 20.1 megapixels. That's what my 1DX Mark II was. And I got amazing images with that sensor. The 1DX Mark III has the same size sensor. And people love that camera, especially for sports shooting. So I'm definitely going to go with the R6. And I'll be a lot happier. Now, as far as the continuing discussion of the EOS R5 bogus overheating issue, some ways that people have found to hack or to hack around the limitations. It's entirely possible. One of the users from the magic lantern site will come up with their own custom firmware that removes the recording time limits and allows users to have the full capabilities of their new camera. Now, if you're not familiar with magic lantern, it's uh, I think it's an open source project, um, but basically it's a group of people that develop their own custom firmware for Canon cameras that runs completely off the SD card. And it unlocks a lot of additional features in the Canon cameras. You know, the ones before where they weren't capable of this mode or that mode, or they, you know, had limitations on timers and all this other crap. Magic Lantern firmware allowed you to get around all of that stuff. And it's been around for quite a few years. So I don't doubt at all that somebody on the Magic Lantern team is going to come up with their own custom firmware that removes the recording time limits and allows users to have the full capabilities of their new EOS R5 camera, especially for 8K and the 4K high quality video. All right. Now, before I sign off this week, I wanted to remind listeners that the new summer contest has started. And this time the show is giving away a KNF Concept TC2534 carbon fiber 66 inch tripod slash monopod combination. The contest link has been posted to the Facebook group and will also be in the show notes for this episode. And I added it to last week's episode as well. Um, So you could go to the show notes for either one of these episodes and click the link for the contest there. Now, this contest is running from August 25th, 2020 to October 25th, 2020 at midnight going into the 26th. And then the random winner will be chosen on the Sunday, the 26th of October and notified so that their prize can be shipped to them. Now, I decided to go with this particular tripod as the prize because this is the new model that I replaced my Gitzo Mountaineer tripod with. I had the Gitzo Mountaineer. I can't remember what model it was. It was like 5320 or something like that. I'd had that for quite a few years. And don't get me wrong, I loved that tripod. It was a great tripod, but it wasn't tall enough. Um, I didn't think when I was buying it at the time, plus back when I bought it was when carbon fiber tripods were first coming out and there was very minimal selection as far as models and stuff like that. Um, So it didn't have the taller profile that I wanted. And now that I'm shooting a lot of real estate work and use my tripods and monopods all the time, I like having the taller profile that I'm getting with this new KNF concept carbon fiber tripod. So um, I didn't have any luck getting a company to sponsor this contest. So the prize is coming directly out of my pocket, but someone will be getting a new carbon fiber tripod this fall. So make sure you enter for your chance to win. 
Now, also remember to check out the Land Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, but you can request to join and answer the one security question to get into the group, which is the name of the host of the show, which is myself, Liam. Or you can give the name of any of the guests I've had on the show, which could be Ruben Naha, Joe Mott, John Harvell, Jeff Harmon, or Brett Bergram from the Master Photography Podcast. You can call or text the show at 470-294-8191 with any questions, comments, or ideas for future interviews, somebody you'd like to hear me try to get on the show. Now, I have been in talks with Matt Bishop, and I'm hoping to have him on the show in the next, uh, hopefully, month or so. I've talked to him a little bit on Facebook. We need to circle back up and see if we can get our schedules to mesh up because he lives in Italy, Uh, but he is a fantastic photographer, and he's a great guy. He makes a great guest for podcasts. So I'm hoping to get him on the show in the very near future. Now, as well, you can also email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. All right. I want to thank you again for listening, and I will see you all again in another seven days for episode 88.